guys. Are you ready? Yeah. Let's just pray and focus in now, okay, if we can. <laughs> All right, Lord, we love you. We thank you so much for getting our brother home to us safely. And uh, Lord, thank you for his testimony. And uh, he's been a blessing to me, Lord. And um, just, I, I'm, I know he's getting up there in years, and I hope you give him a whole, whole lot more. But um, I know that uh, he's been a bright spot in my ministry. And so I thank you for Brother Mike, and thank you for getting him back home to us safely. And we ask you now to help us, God, as we uh, look into your word. Uh, we need your help. And uh, God, I really want, with all my heart, I want you to enable me to help your people love this book more and understand it and uh, help it to comfort our hearts in, in who you are, no matter what's going on in this world around us. God, help us not to be so weak that we uh, change our doctrine based on the news. Uh, help us to understand from the pages of Scripture what you're what your work is and what you're doing and help us to be strong in the Lord and to get the comfort of the Holy Spirit tonight as we look into your words. We pray in the name of Jesus Christ. Amen. All right, Revelation chapter 14. We're in verse number 1. And uh, this is a, a great chapter in your Bible. This, this chapter will expose a lot of false doctrine. And I'm excited about trying to teach you this. We're probably not going to get too far into the chapter because I want to lay it out for you the right way. But uh, you'll understand by looking back, and don't, don't have to turn there, let me just say it, uh, by looking back at chapter 12, verse 6, we know we're in the last three and a half years of the tribulation when we come to Revelation chapter 14. And so if you would look at uh, verse number 1, he says, And I looked, and lo, a lamb stood on the Mount Sion, and with him, with the lamb, on the mount, and 144,000 having their father's name written in their foreheads. So first of all, note this, and we're not going to run the references because we've got a bunch of references to run to show you some stuff that uh, if, if God can help me lay this out for you clear enough, um, this should really help you a lot when it comes to your doctrine, the pre-trib rapture, the differences between the salvation and the tribulation period and what passages of Scripture people get confused about when they come to those. This should really help you out a lot if you can grab a hold of what we're going to teach here in this chapter, hopefully tonight. But first of all, that lamb. Well, you all know who that is, so we don't need to run the references on that. Uh, that's Jesus Christ. Behold the Lamb of God which taketh away the sin of the world and all the rest of the references you can run. We know who the Lamb is, right? Look where he's standing. He stood on the Mount Sion. So some would try to say that this is an actual mountain on the earth, but it's not. We're going to run the references here in a second. And these guys have their father's name written in their forehead. Now that's important because I told you over and over again, the devil copycats everything Jesus Christ does, right? So he gives them the mark in the tribulation period, the mark of the beast and the number of his name. You get his name, his spot, or his, mar or his number. That's what you get. His spot is the mark. So he's copycatting something God did. God put his name on the 144,000 and sealed those guys. And obviously you know that the um, Jehovah's Witnesses take this thing and run with it. And they mess people up real bad. They get people all confused. You know, they send out their advertisement with all the crazy looking pictures about Revelation studies and they run the billboards on the highways and they get everybody to come to their studies. And what they're doing is they're giving you some kind of occult teaching is what it is. It's a cult. That's not Bible. That's not true Bible. That, that, that thing is a cult. 
And so they're trying to talk about the 144,000, but they're not talking about it from the Bible. They're not giving you the clear understanding of the Scriptures. The 144,000 are here in the Scriptures, but they ain't what the JWs are saying they are. So these guys have a seal of God on their forehead. So let's look at a couple verses first of all to show you that what happened here in this passage is that the 144,000 that were on this earth preaching earlier are now at this point in heaven. That's where they're at when you look at 14 verse 1. These guys aren't on the earth anymore. So somewhere during the tribulation period, because we already saw them preaching earlier on as we're going through Revelation, they're preaching in the tribulation period. They get that seal and that mark in the tribulation period because that's God's way of keeping them from losing their salvation. He seals them. They're His. They're not going to lose it. You didn't get sealed by God with a mark on your forehead to keep you from losing it. That's a different application. That's not your doctrine. So God sealed those guys, and those guys were preaching in the tribulation period. But by the time you get down to Revelation chapter 14, and it's very hard to say exactly, but probably within the last six months of the tribulation, before things are totally wrapped up, but right near the end, these guys got raptured up somewhere because in Revelation 14 verse 1, they're standing in heaven with the Lamb. Jesus Christ has not come back yet and touched down in this verse. Now let me show you the references. Go back to Hebrews chapter 12. Hebrews chapter 12. This Mount Zion that he's standing on stood on the Mount Zion, right? That actually can be the Mount in heaven, a heavenly place. It can also be an earthly place. Uh, Hebrews chapter 12, look at verse 22. He says, but ye are coming to Mount Zion. Now watch it. And unto the city of the living God, the heavenly Jerusalem, to an innumerable company of angels. So the heavenly location is also called Mount Sion. Those guys are not on the Mount Sion on this earth. Look at another passage. Go to uh, the book of Psalms, chapter 48. A little bit of scripture with scripture will clear up a whole lot of false doctrine. And I think this is especially timely right now to be going through this because of everything that's going on in the world. And it's a mess. And you get on your little YouTube feeds or your little videos or you pull up preachers and you'll get all kinds of guys making all kinds of videos about end times and Bible prophecies and what's going on in Israel and the Antichrist and all the rest of that. And they'll get you all shook up. Uh, it's nothing new. It's a trick of the devil that's going on during Paul's day. He said not to be soon shaken nor troubled in mind as though that day was already at hand. And so these guys will get you all shook up, and what will happen is the devil will move in and get you off on a false doctrine and get you hooked on that stuff. And you'll start thinking you got some kind of a special in, and they'll look at what's going on, and you'll get all out of whack. It'll mess you up. You know what you ought to do no matter what's going on in Israel? Exactly what you're doing. Sit in church, just like you did last week. You know what you ought to do tomorrow morning no matter what's going on in Israel? Get up, read your Bible, pray, go to work. What if the Lord's coming? The Lord's coming. All right, there's plenty of cults out there that have capitalized on that, got people to sell their houses and give the money and move to some mountain somewhere. And then it came and it went, and that was when I was a kid, people were doing that stuff. You better not be soon shaken or troubled in mind. You better get in your Bible and understand exactly where you're at in God's time frame and what's going on because it'll give you strength, comfort, comfort, and stability. Psalm chapter 48, look at verse 2. 
He says, beautiful for situation, the joy of the whole earth is Mount Zion on the sides of the north, the city of the great king. Where's heaven at? It's on the sides of the north. That ain't talking about an earthly Zion. Look at another one. Go to Galatians chapter 4. Galatians chapter 4. This one gives you the breakdown between the two. Galatians chapter 4 verse 24. Galatians 4.24, he says, Which things are an allegory, for these are the two covenants, the one from Mount Sinai, which gendereth to bondage, which is Agar. For this Agar is Mount Sinai in Arabia. You see that? That is a physical place on this planet. But watch. And answereth to Jerusalem, which now is, and is in bondage with her children. But Jerusalem, which is above, is free, which is the mother of us all. You know what he's saying? There's a Mount Zion on this earth, but there's also one up in heaven. So when you go back to Revelation chapter 14, verse 1, these guys are standing with the Lamb on Mount Zion. They're up in heaven. So somewhere toward the end of the tribulation period, there's been a rapture. They got caught up. They're not here anymore. Now look at the next verse. And I heard a voice from heaven as the voice of many waters and the voice of a great trump thunder, excuse me, and the voice of harpers harping with their harps. So in heaven, they're actually playing on literal instruments that are harps that are stringed instruments. That's pretty cool. Verse 3, and they sung as it were a new song. You see that? It's a song you've never heard. It's a song you don't know. It's not in your hymn book. Do you know why? The doctrine they're singing is not the same doctrine as what you sing. They sung as it were a new song before the throne and before the four beasts and the elders. And no man could learn that song but the hundred and forty and four thousand which were redeemed from the earth. That ain't you. That ain't even in your hymn book. They're singing a different song. These are they which were not defiled with women. For they are virgins. These are they which follow the Lamb whithersoever he goeth. These were redeemed from among men, being the firstfruits unto God and to the Lamb. And in their mouth was found no guile, for they were there without fault before the throne of God. So these 144,000 are singing a different song. Look at chapter 15 and verse number 3. Now here's the song. And they sing the song of Moses, the servant of God, and the song of the Lamb. The song of Moses? That's the law. That's the Old Testament. These guys are singing the song of Moses and the song of the Lamb, saying, Great and marvelous are thy works, Lord God Almighty. Just and true are thy ways, thou King of saints. You know what these guys are doing? They're singing a different song with different doctrine. Look at chapter 14 and verse 12. Here is the patience of the saints. Here are they which keep the commandments of God and the faith of Jesus. These 144,000 that get caught up toward the end of the tribulation and wind up in heaven are singing a new song that you can't sing, that you don't know. It's a song of Moses and of the Lamb. So it's the Old Testament law is associated with it and faith in Jesus. Now, where in the world do you find written to the church that you have to do anything concerning the law? You're freed from the law. 
Where do you find in any of Paul's books that your works have anything to do with your salvation? I mean, he says, not of works, lest any man should boast. Not by works of righteousness, which we have done, but according to his mercy, he saved us. You have nowhere where it's talking to the church where you have works connected to your salvation. But these guys are singing a song of Moses and a song of the Lamb. And their patience and faith, here's the patience of the saints, that they keep the commandments of God and the faith of Jesus. They have two different things that they're judged by when they get there. That can't be you. It, can't, it's, it doesn't match up. Look at chapter 12, verse 17. Revelation chapter 12, verse 17. And the dragon was wroth with the woman and went to make war with the remnant of her seed, which keep the commandments of God and have the testimony of Jesus Christ. Keep the commandments of God. Where are you told to keep the commandments for your salvation? Your salvation is all wrapped up in what Jesus Christ did for you. It's by grace through faith plus nothing minus nothing. Now let me mess your head up just a little bit more. If you're not already, we'll get there, all right? And then we'll make it as clear as mud, Lord willing. Go to James chapter number 1. It's very important to grab a hold of what I'm going to show you tonight because what I'm going to try to do is get to these passages where most of the false doctrine in churches today come from when it comes to losing your salvation and all the rest of that stuff. And I'm going to show you that it's not talking to you. It's talking to somebody else at a different time. And the reason that's important is because the doctrine doesn't match, so you must not be here because you can't lose your salvation and people in the tribulation period can lose their salvation, but you can't. I'm not sure if we're going through the tribulation or not. Well, you need to study your Bible a little more. How can I be going through the tribulation if I'm promised eternal security? They're not. So if you're going to go through the tribulation, you better not take the mark. You know how many saved people were freaking out about the COVID thing? Because, oh, is this the mark? And is this them getting ready for the mark and all the rest of that stuff? <laughs> what if it changes your DNA? They're saying it changes your DNA. I literally had an a, a intelligent... Older man called me and asked me about it because he was freaking out about his DNA getting changed if he takes it. And what does that mean? And is that connected to devil possession? I was like, would you stink and relax, man? Are you saved or not? If you're saved, then it's just, it's just flesh. <laughs> it's just going to rot in a grave. Get over it. <laughs> you can't take the mark if you tried. James chapter 1, look at verse 1. James, a servant of God and the Lord Jesus Christ, to the church. That James pastors, right? You see the problem with people? I'm not trying to be rude to you, okay? Not to you. The problem with people is they can't read. Because if you could read and you believed every word that you read, you'd understand that that preacher's giving you false doctrine. The book of James is not written to the church. It's written to the 12 tribes, which are what? Scattered abroad. Greeting. Now look at this. Go to chapter 2. Look at verse 17. Even so, faith, if it hath not works, is dead being alone. Really? If your faith in Jesus Christ doesn't have works with it, it's dead? That ain't to you. There's a lot of people that trust Jesus Christ as their Savior and don't produce the works. And if they die, they're going to go to heaven, not hell. This thing's saying, even so faith... You know what they're going to tell you? This is what they're going to say. 
they're going to say, well, that's in relation to, you know, your, your spiritual life. That's a relation to your, that's not relation to your soul. If they believe in eternal security, when they come to these passages, like the fundamentalists, the fundamental Baptists, when they come to these passages, even when they believe the King James Bible and don't believe in changing it, what they'll do is they'll change the meaning. That thing says, if faith is, doesn't have works, it's dead being faith alone. You are told that you're saved by faith alone. So then faith cometh by hearing and hearing by the word of God. Your salvation's wrapped up and you put in your faith in Jesus Christ. That's it. Amen. Sitting across from an older guy at the nursing home this afternoon and he knows all the songs in the book. It's great to hear him sing. I love that we love hearing him sing. Everybody talks about Hank, right? Yeah. Hank, anybody remember? Okay. And uh, I, I asked him where he went to church. I said, obviously you grew up going to church. Where did you go to church? Because you know all the hymns. He said, Church of Christ. Well, I happen to know Church of Christ believes in baptismal regeneration, most of them. They believe you're saved by getting baptized. So I said, well, are you saved? Did you ever get saved? And he said, well, I'd like to think so. You know, God this and God that. God helps me and Jesus helps me through everything and all the rest of that. And I'm listening to him talk and I'm thinking like, I'm not really sure. So I'm like, well... Do you realize that salvation's by faith in Jesus Christ? And then he starts going off about the Lord and talking about the Lord. And I finally, I'm, I'm sitting there praying while he's talking, and I'm like, I'm, I'm not sure he's saved. So I said, let me ask you a question, Hank. I said, remember the thieves on the cross? He said, yes. I said, what happened? Because he kept saying, God loves us all. God cares, cares about us all. God's going to help us all get through. God loves everybody and that kind of stuff. And I said, what about the thief on the cross? He said he went to heaven with him because he asked God to forgive him. He recognized he was God. I said, exactly right. I said, what about the other one? And he said, the Lord forgave him too. I said, no. I said, the one that believed in Jesus Christ went to heaven. He said, today thou shalt be with me in paradise. The other one went to hell. And he said, oh. And I said, could that thief on the cross get baptized? He said, no. I said, could that thief on the cross make sure that his, you know, he made it through and that he didn't quit on God and God got him through? He said, no. I said, all that man did is what? He just believed on Jesus Christ. And Jesus said, today thou shalt be with you. I said, so today you can ask Jesus Christ to save you. You can go back to your room and, and ask Jesus to come into your heart and save you, and he'll save you right now. I don't know if he got it or not. He seemed like he did. I'm not sure if he got it. I, I don't know. But man, what a blessing. It ain't like that in every dispensation. You know, you, you, you church folks, you got it good. <laughs> you bride of Christ, you got it good, man. We got a special thing, boy. We got something real special. In verse 18, he says, Yea, a man may say, Thou hast faith, and I have works. Show me thy faith without thy works, and I'll show thee my faith by my works. Thou believest there is one God, thou doest well. The devils also believe and tremble. But wilt thou, O vain man, that faith without works is dead? Was not Abraham our father justified by works when he offered up Isaac upon the altar? Seest thou how faith wrought with his works, and by works was faith made perfect? Go down to verse 40, 20, 26. For as the body without the spirit is dead, so faith without works is dead also. Well, and you hath he quickened who were dead in trespasses and sin. How? By trusting Jesus Christ as your Savior. You know it when you got saved. You remember, how many of you remember the day you got saved? I wasn't it something else. Something came alive inside of you without any works at all. So that can't be to you. Uh, go, to, go to Hebrews chapter 10. Hebrews chapter 10. I'm going to show you something here in just a minute. 
the difference between these virgins and who you are. We're going to look at the different passages and we'll break them out together and probably stop there for tonight. Hebrews chapter 10, look at verse uh, 26. For if we sin willfully, after that we have received the knowledge of the truth, there remaineth no more sacrifice for sins, but a certain fearful looking for of judgment and fiery indignation which shall devour the adversaries. He that despised Moses' law died without mercy under two or three witnesses. Of how much sorer punishment suppose ye shall he be thought worthy who hath trodden underfoot the Son of God and hath counted the blood of the covenant wherewith he was sanctified an unholy thing and hath done despite unto the Spirit of grace. For we know him that has said, Vengeance belongeth unto me, I will recompense, saith the Lord, and again the Lord shall judge his people. It is a fearful thing to fall into the hands of the living God. Look down at verse 39. But we are not of them that draw back unto perdition, but unto them that believe to the saving of the soul. Now do you understand why some people think you can lose your salvation? Now don't you see why some of these guys get in their pulpits and tell you, well, yeah, you saved my faith, but if you don't live up to it, you're going to lose it. You can walk out from under the umbrella of God's protection. Because they're taking a passage that's written to who? Oh. Like, you mean the Jew in the tribulation period? Because we'll get to it as we're going through Romans. If God broke off the natural branches, which is the Jews, He said, you Gentiles better be careful. He'll break you off too. And you know what you're seeing all over the world right now? You're seeing Gentiles just doing exactly what the Jews did and pushing God out, pushing the Bible out, getting rid of Jesus, shaking their fist in the face of God and saying, forget you. We care nothing about you at all. Blood be on us and on our children. And he said, if I break off my own people for their backslidden state, I'll break you off for yours too. You're getting dangerously close to when God's going to break you off and start dealing with Israel again. And it's real interesting that in the tribulation period, the wrath of Lucifer is coming so bad they're almost wiped off the planet. This is one of the reasons I think this is a warm-up. You might have a decade at the most that this is a huge warm-up, what's going on over there right now. Because right now they're not getting wiped off the planet. They're actually turning their enemies into powder. Well, in the tribulation period, they're going to be getting turned into powder. So what's probably going on, and this is Mike Reagan speaking, and I'm no, no master on this, okay, but here's my opinion. What's probably going on is they're going to make Israel, Israel's going to come out of this uh, uh, worse off than they've ever, ever been politically speaking. Because all those poor babies in Gaza... Nobody's thinking about the poor babies that this man saw with his feet, their feet cut off and hands cut off and heads cut off, slaughtered in onesies. And then he said they're killing the dogs and the cats too. Nobody's worrying about that. Now they're worrying about Israel who's trying to warn them to get out of the way and they're sheltering, they're using them as human shields and they're sheltering behind them. They're, they're, it's a war, you understand that? <laughs> But they're going to turn out to be the bad guys. Free Palestine, free Palestine, those horrible, you know, evil Israelites defending their own families. Let me just say something that's very un-PC. If you don't handle war like it's war, those children will grow up to kill your children. It's pretty bad, ain't it? That's not PC. But it's war. I just refrained myself from saying stupid. Now I feel better that I told you I refrained myself from saying it because I kind of got it out. (laughs) 
It's like ridiculous, man. But the whole world, the whole world's going to turn against them. You even see the way our president's trying to play both sides of the field. I thank God that we're backing them to some extent. But then there's the whole, well, the poor Palestinians. Well, okay, but I'm sorry, it's war. And if you got attacked, it's like somebody breaking into your house and you shoot them. And you shoot his buddies too. Well, his buddies weren't really doing anything. They were just following his lead. And you're in my house. Sorry about your luck. <laughs> That's just crazy stuff. So you're going to see the world turn against them. Right now, they got a lot of military power. And uh, got, they got a lot going for them. But I think you're seeing a warm-up. I think that what's happening in this world is the devil's moving the pieces into the right place. And I think the Lord's ready. And he's letting them move. And those pieces are going to start shifting. Saudi Arabia, you remember me bringing him up? He already made a shift from dealing with Israel to dealing with Iran. Mr. Smooth-talking gracious. And the Pope stepping in and saying he's going to try to mediate some peace stuff. I'm telling you, the pieces are moving, man. It's exciting. If you're born again. If not, you're going into a worse time in the world, and the, the delusion that's coming your way is going to be so strong, you're probably going to believe the lie, and more than likely, you'll end up damned. Because you won't obey the gospel you've been given. You're a fool. As a saved person, it's a blessing. This thing ain't written to you. This is written to the Hebrews in the tribulation period. That's when God's dealing with the Jew again. And he's telling them they can't draw back because if they draw back, they're going to draw back under perdition. So what you've got, and we just read it in Revelation chapter 14, is you've got 144,000 Jewish male virgins. Right? The church is never referred to as virgins. These are Jewish male virgins. It's very clear who they are. Now, let me show you some passages that deal with these virgins. Go to Matthew chapter 25, if you would, please. Matthew chapter 25. And I want to break down the difference between the two so that when you're studying your Bible, you can understand um, what you're dealing with as you're reading through here so you don't get all confused. So you've got, you've got virgins... Plural. And we'll start here in Matthew 25, and we'll show you that this is dealing with these Jews in the tribulation period. This is dealing with the 144,000. On this side, we'll see in a minute, a chaste virgin. Singular. Okay? Also, the bride of Christ. And you'll see the doctrinal differences when it's talking about a chaste virgin or the bride of Christ or the one body. The doctrine that's being taught about salvation won't match. So if the two doctrines don't match as regarding their salvation, you're obviously, when you're dealing with this, you're in a different time frame. And the doctrine that's being preached to these guys and what they're being told goes on during the tribulation period. So this doctrine is not for this group. So where is this group? This group's going to get caught up probably in the last six months. Now, now, just stick this in your head and we'll go through the passages. 
but you've been up there already. You've already been through the judgment seat of Jesus Christ where he judges you based on what you did for him after you were saved. Not based on whether or not you are saved because you're his, you're sealed, you're his body, you're his bride and he's bringing you to a wedding. And before the wedding, you're going to go through a judgment and then at the end of the judgment, you're going to have a wedding. And right by the time you get there to your wedding reception where you're sitting down at the marriage supper of the Lamb, another group joins us at that. They're friends. They're servants that show up at that. They got Somehow or another, they wind up with us in heaven, in heavenly Mount Zion. These guys wind up with us at that marriage, and they walk into that marriage. We're at the wedding reception. Okay, watch what I'm talking about. Look at Matthew chapter 25. You're staring at me like, Okay, he needs sleep or he needs Miss Grace to get home so he gets his head back together. I need both. Matthew 25, verse 1. Then shall the kingdom of heaven, see that? That's a literal, visible kingdom, guys. That's a different gospel than the one you believe. Then shall the kingdom of heaven be likened unto ten virgins. That's not you. Which took their lamps and went forth to meet the bridegroom. And five of them were wise, and five were foolish. They that were foolish took their lamps and took no oil with them. But the wise took oil in their, lamps, in their vessels with their lamps. While the bridegroom tarried, they all slumbered and slept. And at midnight there was a cry made, Behold, the bridegroom cometh, go out to meet him. You're not going out to meet him. You're going out to marry him. These guys are going out to meet him. Then all the virgins arose and trimmed their lamps. And the foolish said unto the wise, Give us of your oil, for our lamps are gone out. And the wise answered, saying, Not so, lest there be not enough for us and you. But go ye rather to them that sell and buy for yourselves. And when they went to buy, the bridegroom came. And they that were ready went in with him to the marriage, and the door was shut. Afterward also came the other virgins, saying, Lord, Lord, open to us. And he answered and said, Verily I say unto you, I know you not. Watch therefore, for ye know neither the day nor the hour when the Son of Man cometh. If you aren't ready at that one, you don't go. That ain't your rapture. And that doesn't match what's happening with you at all. You're not going to meet Him, you're going to marry Him. And if you're not filled with the Holy Spirit, which is what oil is a type of in the Bible, you're going out whether you want to or not. That's a different rapture. Look at another passage. That's Matthew 25. Go with me to Luke chapter 12. Wait a second here. Hold on. Go back to Matthew uh, 24 real quick while we're here. Go back to Matthew 24. Look at uh, verse... Well, you can see the context. Back up in Matthew 24. Look at verse 1. Jesus went out and his disciples came to him for to show him the buildings of the temple. And Jesus saith unto them, See ye not all these things? Verily I say unto you, There shall not be left here one stone upon another that shall not be thrown down. And they come to him. They sat on the Mount of Isles. The disciples come to him privately saying, Tell us when shall these things be? And what shall be the sign of thy coming and of the end of the world? Jesus answered and said unto them, Take heed that no man deceive you. You better be careful that nobody deceive you. This deception is always related to the end of the world. There's, there's a desire of the devil to mess up people's heads when it comes to Armageddon. People love those kind of movies. 
love those kind of shows. They love all that kind of doctrine. They'll respond to, to science, billboard signs with all that wild-looking stuff on it, come to a Bible study. Nobody does the research to know where that's coming from. It's just, it's just appealing, and they show up at that stuff. Right, if, you don't, if you don't tell me JWs, Jehovah's Witnesses, I mean, why wouldn't you tell what, they're, they're subtle, boy. I got a real nice advertisement in the mail. It looked all great, and it said all the right stuff. The, the wording was so perfectly worded that it could kind of fit. And I went and I had to look up the site and I had to dig on the site and find out there's Seventh-day Adventists. I was like, I stinking knew it. Something was wrong. And I didn't know what was wrong, but something was wrong. But everything sounded right, you know. They know how to word it, boy, to get you, to get you to come to their little Bible study. Snakes. For many shall come in my name, saying, I'm Christ. Verse 5, and shall deceive many. And ye shall hear of wars. Anybody heard any of those lately? And rumors of wars. Anybody hear about that lately? China, Iran, Russia, the way it's shaping up, Lebanon, Syria. See that ye be not troubled. Hello. Go home and sleep tonight. Sleep like a baby. Lord, you said you give your beloved sleep. So help me to get a good night's rest. For all these things must come to pass, but the end is not yet. For nation shall rise against nation, and kingdom against kingdom, and there shall be famines and pestilences and earthquakes in diverse places, COVID-19. And these are the beginning of sorrows. Yeah, you're probably seeing it. Beginning of it. They shall deliver you up to be afflicted. Preached on that this morning. Shall kill you. And you shall be hated of all nations. It's Israel. For my name's sake, it's a national thing. And then shall many be offended and shall betray one another and shall hate one another. And many false prophets shall arise and deceive many. And because of iniquity shall abound, the love of many shall wax cold. Watch this. But he that endureth unto the end, the same shall be saved. You're not told to endure to the end to be saved. And this gospel of the grace of God. Why can't preachers read? Why can't they learn English before they try to get up and tell you what God said? This gospel, the kingdom, shall be preached in all the world for a witness unto all nations, and then shall the end come. You know what those, you know those 444,000 are going to be doing? They're going to be preaching the gospel through all the world. You know what the Bible tells you over in Revelation 14? We'll see it in a minute. There's an angel flying in heaven preaching the everlasting gospel. Do you know in the tribulation period, angels are flying in heaven preaching the gospel? What did Paul tell you? He said, though, but we or an angel from heaven preach any other gospel unto you than that which we have preached, let him be accursed. Excuse me? Paul said, though, we or an angel from heaven, and then Revelation 14 tells you God sends an angel in the heavens preaching the everlasting gospel, and he tells us what that gospel is. It don't match yours. Paul is trying to tell you, you have a gospel God gave you, and that's the gospel you follow. There's a God. How are you here? Listen, if that applies to you, how are you here in the tribulation period when angels are flying in heaven preaching a different gospel than the gospel you received? You're not here in the great tribulation. You are gone. You are raptured out. You are in heaven. So whatever's going on over there is going on. God knows and the devil knows 
a lot more than we do, but God knows it all, and whatever's going on is going on. Don't worry about it. Just ask yourself, are you right with Jesus Christ? That's all. Have you kept short accounts with God? Are you doing what you know to do today? I didn't ask if you're perfect. Are you doing the best you know how between you and God today? And if you are, sleep like a baby. And let's pray the trumpet hits tonight. Look at verse 42. Watch therefore, for you know not what hour your Lord doth come. But know this, that if the good men of the house had known in what watch the thief would come, he would have watched and would have not suffered his house to be broken up. Therefore be ye also ready in such an hour ye think not the Son of Man cometh. God's going to come bust up your house. Is that the rapture? When you get raptured, what are you heading up to? You're heading up to the judgment seat of Christ, and what's after that? The wedding, right? You're the bride marrying your bridegroom. Now, now listen, listen. What, what bridegroom tells his bride, will you marry me? Yes. Let's set a date. No. We're not setting a date. Glad you're marrying me. And what I'm going to do is whenever I'm ready, I'm going to come kick your front door in and you better be home. And if you ain't home, I'm tearing your whole house apart because when I come, you better be ready for me 24-7. Well, I'll tell you, no fiancé of my daughter's is going that way. <laughs> that joker's body will be right with Hoffa. <laughs> right? You set a date, and she knows it's coming, and she gets ready. And that's, a, that's one of the best days of her life. And she's ready for that. And he stands there patiently waiting for her and just beaming from ear to ear. I still remember when those doors opened and Grace was standing there. I still remember it. The room started closing in on me, and I was like, Jesus, help me not pass out. I mean, it all started, and I'm praying, and I was started crying, and well, it's a great day. You don't treat your bride like that. This ain't you, but it's a rapture. It's just not yours. You see how amazing that Bible in your lap is? That's a great book, man. Look at verse 45. Who then is faithful and wise servant, whom his Lord made ruler over his household to give them meat in due season? Blessed is that servant whom his Lord, when he cometh, shall find so doing. Verily I say unto you that he shall make him ruler over all his goods. But and if that evil servant say in his heart, My Lord delayeth his coming, and begin to smite his fellow servants, and to eat and drink with the drunkards, the Lord of that servant shall come in a day when he looketh not for him, and an hour when he is not aware of. Now watch this. And shall cut him asunder, and appoint him his portion with the hypocrites. There shall be weeping and gnashing of teeth. You know what that is? That's damnation. Folks, that's hell. When he shows up and the servant isn't ready, that ain't, you're not going to hell. No matter what. That ain't to you. That's to somebody else at a different time. There's another more passages. Look at uh, Luke chapter 12. Luke chapter 12, verse 35, and then I'll show you some on ours, and I'll put them all in order here so that we can get through them pretty quick. Luke chapter 12, look at verse uh, 35. He says, Let your loins be girded about, and your lights burning, and ye yourselves like unto men that wait for their Lord when he shall return from the wedding. See that? Ain't that interesting? Uh, 12. He's returning from the wedding. That when he cometh and knocketh, they may open unto him immediately. Blessed are those servants whom the Lord, when he cometh, shall find watching. Verily I say unto you, 
that he shall gird himself and make them to sit down to meet, and will come forth and serve them. And if he shall come in the second watch or the third watch and find them so, blessed are those servants. And this know that if the goodman of the house had known what hour the thief would come, he would have watched and not have suffered his house to be broken up. Be therefore ready also, for the Son of Man cometh in an hour when ye think not. You see that? So he's coming back from the wedding, and he's trying to bring somebody to the reception. I, I think I had it down here. I don't know where it went. I'll have to find it for you, show you next time maybe. Uh, at the wedding, somebody comes in, a servant comes in without a wedding garment on. He said, what are you doing here? Get out of here. Cast them into hell. Somebody's walking into that wedding after the wedding's already done. That's, look at that in Luke. That's, that is somebody showing up at the wedding. He's coming from a wedding. You guys, right toward the end of the tribulation period, after the judgment seat of Christ and after the wedding, he comes back to get somebody that's ready and raptures them out. If their works had been matching up, if they haven't received the mark, if they'd endured to the end, if they're keeping the commandments of God and faith in Jesus Christ, they get to go. If they don't, they don't go to that one. He comes in and busts them up. And somebody gets to show up at the, at the marriage supper of the Lamb, they come in as guests. Very interesting, ain't it? All right, so there's a difference between the virgins. Um, I got a couple more. Let's go to Psalm, go to Psalm 45 real quick. Psalm 45. I want to get you out of here. Psalm 45, verses 13 and 14. The king's daughter is all glorious within. Her clothing is of wrought gold. She shall be brought unto the king in raiment of needlework. And watch this. The virgins, her companions that do what? They follow her? In other words, she went first? You getting it yet? Is that making sense or no? The daughter already went. The king's daughter. You're marrying his son. The king's daughter is, is her clothings of wrought gold. She brought unto the king an arraignment and needlework, and the virgin's her what? That's different than the chaste virgin, the king's daughter, at a wedding. One's the bride of Jesus Christ, the other one's virgins that are her companions, that have faith in Jesus Christ and keep the commandments of God. That's not you. The Bible's not that hard. It should, it, I mean, if somebody doesn't teach you this stuff, it can be, but it's just not that difficult. Look at Song of Solomon real quick. Psalms, Proverbs, Ecclesiastes, and then Song of Solomon. Song of Solomon chapter 6. Song of Solomon, chapter 6, verses 8 and 9. One of the toughest books in the Bible, in my opinion, is Song of Solomon. It's tough. There are three score queens and four score concubines and virgins without number. My dove, my undefiled, is but one. She is the only one of her mother. She is the choice one of her that bear her. The daughter saw her and blessed her. Yea, the queens and the concubines, and they praise her. One's the daughter, a chaste virgin, there's queens, there's concubines, there's uh, daughters. You say, who are they all? 
Got a lot of different guesses on it. We don't have time for it, but I haven't heard anybody definitively nail it down. I've heard some real good teachings on it. But you've got Old Testament Jewish saints. You've got Old Testament Gentiles that were saved before the law. You got somebody in the tribulation period. You got Gentiles in the tribulation period. You got the 144,000 in the tribulation. You got a whole bunch of different people out there that wind up showing up, but they're different than you. That's the point I want you to get. The Bible's not all about you. That's the problem. I'm telling you right now, that's the problem with most of the preaching. They try to make all the Bible all about you, and it's not all about you. You've got to figure out who you are and where you fit. And if you figure that out, you're going to get a lot of comfort. Because, listen, your Savior didn't die on the cross to wash away your sin and give you eternal security just to lose you in the end because you happen to be the ones that were here when the tribulation hit. You got eternal security, and I'm going to show you why. Now, let's run through these verses. I'm losing track of time. Go to Romans chapter 12. Let's look at this chaste virgin. Romans chapter 12. And you're going to notice where all these verses are that deal with you. They're in Paul's books, because Paul is our apostle to the Gentiles. So you're a chaste virgin, you're a bride, and you're a one body. Romans chapter 12. Brian, are you there? Yes, sir. Would you read verses 4 and 5? Billy? Would you grab 1 Corinthians 3, verses 11 through 15? Let me catch up with you guys. Whoever you are. Yeah, Brian. Uh, if you would read that as soon as you find it. Billy, you read yours right after him, please. For as we have many members in one body, and all members have not the same power. So we, being many, are one body in Christ, and every one member is one of another. You see that? There's many members. You're all individuals, right? But you're what? You're one body in Christ. These are virgins, each independently judged, and whether or not they make it depends on their each, indiv each individual works and their faith. You are one body, although there are many members, and you all have different gifts. You're individuals. But doctrinally, he made you one as his bride. Billy, you ready? Somebody shows up at that judgment, their works don't match their faith, their works get tried, they suffer loss, but he himself shall be saved. They don't lose their soul. I just read you more than one passage where somebody's losing their soul because their works don't match their faith. It ain't you. I showed you that those people are in the tribulation period. It ain't you. So what does that tell you? about a pre-trib rapture, you aren't here in the, in the great tribulation. You're going to be here in the warm-up. <laughs> but you're not here in the great tribulation. All right, look at 1 Corinthians 11, 22. 1 Corinthians 11, uh, verse 22. You just read 3, 11 through 15, right, brother? Okay. Uh, 1 Corinthians 11, 22. What? 
Have you not, uh, is that the right one? 11.22, yeah, what, have you not houses to eat and to drink in, or despise ye the church of God, there it is, and shame them that have not? What, what shall I say to you? I praise you in this, I praise you not. You know what you are? You're the church of God. You're the one body, you're the bride, you're a chaste virgin, we'll see those in a minute, and the church of God. Uh, look at the next passage, 1 Corinthians 12, verse 12. For as the body is one and hath many members, all the members of that one body being many are one body, so also is Christ. For by one Spirit are we all baptized into one body, whether we be Jews or Gentiles, whether we be bond or free, and have been made to drink into Christ. For the body is not one member, but many. Skip down with me for the sake of time to verse 20. But now are they many members, yet one body. He, when he comes for his bride, he's pulling that whole bride out. He's not just bringing the feet or the fingers or the eyes or the nose or the parts of the body that made it. He's calling the body out. You're a body. All right, that's not all. Look at uh, 2 Corinthians chapter 11. 2 Corinthians 11 2. I'll finish writing these in here when I'm done for those of you that want to come get a picture of it or whatever. Uh, let me just turn through them right now. 1 Corinthians 11 2. For I am jealous over you with a godly jealousy, for I have espoused you to one husband, that I may present you as a chaste virgin to Christ. Not virgins. And the doctrine, when you find a chaste virgin, a bride, the body, the church, the church of God, the doctrine is different than the doctrine these guys are being told. That's your 144,000 for sure that we're looking at in Revelation chapter 14. All right, uh, look at Ephesians chapter 4. First, second Corinthians, Galatians, then Ephesians. Look at chapter number 4. Look at verse 4. There is one body and one spirit, even as ye are called in one hope of your calling, one Lord, one faith, one baptism, one God and Father of all, who is above all and through all and in you all. Ephesians chapter 5. Look at verse 30. For we are members of his body, of his flesh, and of his bones. For this cause shall a man leave his father and shall be joined unto his wife, and they too shall be one flesh. Watch this. This is a great mystery. Well, there's nothing mysterious about being one flesh with your wife. When you two are joined in marriage, what happens? Babies come, right? There's two of you in one body. You're one flesh. It's not a great, that's not a great mystery. He says, it's a great mystery, but I speak concerning Christ and the church. You know what's a mystery? It's how he makes us one body and, and makes us his bride. And he calls us out. And he presents us to himself a glorious church, not having spot or wrinkle or any such thing, but that it shall be holy and without blemish. Ain't that a wild thing? He cleans you up when he gets you there. He walks you into that, that, that judgment and he puts you through that judgment. It says at the end of that judgment, so then every one of us shall have his praise of God. Now, how can somebody get saved, never do anything with it, die, go to that judgment, and be praised to God after they did nothing with it? They can't if their salvation's back in James or Hebrews. They can't if their salvation's in these Matthew passages. You know what he does? He puts your works through the fire. It purifies whatever junk is in it because all of us, even when we try to do right, kind of have a little bit of something in there that shouldn't be in there, be honest. 
And when you put fire to gold or silver or precious stones, they come out pure. So he takes what you do for him, the best you know how to do it, and he makes it better than it was at that judgment. Ain't that a great God? What a great man. Man, he's a great bridegroom, boy. And then whatever you did that's just nothing but just wood, hay, and stubble, just garbage, just stuff of the flesh, dead stuff, stuff you did in the power of the flesh and all that stuff, he burns it up and it's gone. And you do suffer some loss as far as your rewards are concerned. But then he takes you and he presents you to himself glorious, sanctified, cleaned up, and beautiful. And then he marries you in spite of you. That's like, that's like not being a very good person, but getting somebody that falls in love with you. Like, why would you ever fall in love with me? I'm a mess. Because ah, I love you. I see what you can be, not what you used to be. I love you in spite of you. That's what he does for us. He presents us to himself, a glorious church, not having spot or wrinkle, and sits down at that marriage supper of the Lamb. But before we sit down at that supper, something happens. They, while we're up there getting our judged for our works, they're down here going through a great tribulation. You're being judged. At the end of your judgment, he's got you all cleaned up, and he brings you into that wedding. And he has that wedding, and then before you sit down at that table, he pops some guys up from the earth, and they come into your wedding. I guess they're observers or whatever. I'm not sure. And I'm 100% sure it's not the Baptist bride. A couple of you get that joke. I got more to show you, but it's 6.15. We'll stop for tonight and pick it up here next time. So listen, here's what I want to tell you. I don't want you to be sweating the news. Okay? It's crazy out there. What I want you to sweat is whether or not you're where you ought to be between you and Jesus Christ. You're not going to be here for the great tribulation. You can't be because the doctrine is different. The gospel is different. And Paul told you if an angel flies in heaven and preaches a gospel to you, let him go to hell. He said, let him be accursed. We'll see it next Sunday night in Revelation 14. Angels flying in heaven preaching the everlasting gospel. We'll look at that gospel and what it is. And I'll show you different gospels in the Bible. All in the New Testament. And I am telling you, if you understand this book the way it's written and leave it alone, your faith will be strengthened in where you're at and your comfort will be there that when he says, looking for that blessed hope and the glorious appearing of the great God and our Savior, Jesus Christ, he means it. He's getting you out of here before the great tribulation period. And that's a wonderful thing and a great comfort. All right, let's go ahead and pray and we'll be dismissed for tonight.